With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Good to have you with us once again, gang. And it's an all pro guest for you this time around of the Super Bowl winning variety, no less. He is one of the sharpest minds in the game and a lot of fun to boot. And given the fact he knows a thing or two about the running back position, we figured let's drill down with Shane Vereen on the running back runners and riders going into this season. Players that, well, could have breakout seasons, heavyweight names that have maybe seen better years. Can they have bounce back years? All of that and more coming your way. A running back special with the brilliant Shane Vereen. Shane Vereen back in the house. Good to see you, man. How is life treating you? Everything's good. Well, um, uh, I think I had too much fun yesterday celebrating the 4th of July at the pool. So, <laughs> well, I want to hear straight so, up uh, more about this story. So, yeah. 4th of July at the pool. Maybe we should just leave it there. That just sounds awesome in itself. But yeah. what's going on, Shane Vereen? What is a Shane Vereen 4th of July party like? Yeah. So, uh, 4th of July is one of my favorite holidays, if not my favorite. Uh, and growing up, it was always fun in the streets and the cul-de-sac. And then uh, me and my brother, uh, when we were both playing, we took it to a whole nother level so now it's uh now it's just <laughs> now it's just you know taking the daughter to the pool with the other kids and you know just eating good food and, and drinking way too much that well hey that you saved it at the end there where the rock and roll shane Vereen uh saved it then although i want to jump back a bit to uh we took it to a whole new level so <laughs> that, <laughs> if, if, if we've got ballers as a benchmark are we uh, at yeah this level above ballers level just uh, it's it's a good competition <laughs> it's it, we were yeah uh we know how to throw a party and what I we used to do is um on for the fourth we would rent a house on the beach mm-hmm. uh, down in orange county and uh invite as many people as we could and then we would just get stragglers from the beach coming to the house and uh we had we, we did it good we did it well, it sounds like you did that, isn't it? That is a whole nother podcast right there. That I want to yeah. dive into that. Speaking of which, Shane, uh, since you last been with us, we've, we've had all kinds of different uh, pods rolling. Uh, not least the most recent one we did before this one was me and Ollie Propo, uh, who, of course, is a Gen Zer, right? That's uh, a constant source of amusement on this show because I'm a Gen X. You're probably Gen Y, I think, Shane. Or uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm a millennial, technically. You're a technical millennial. There you go. So I am the, the oldest of the bunch, but Ollie and I are. Um, constantly dropping references i think you might remember he's still never seen the wire for example uh oh, uh, oh so, man yeah you know i mean it, uh, despite what are, doing? what are we doing i mean it gets me sometimes <laughs> i have to stop the show i have to reflect on it it still <laughs> it gets me worried but so last last week last show we did a, a gen 
X versus Gen Z. Uh, and we didn't really talk any football or any, we didn't talk any football at all. We just talked yeah. about Glastonbury and what our respective lineups would be and our favorite movies. And, you know, one of the things that came out, I think this will blow your mind. One of the things that, and it's been great. The show's gone down very well. Appreciate all the feedback we've had on social at the NC show. Loving, loving that feedback. Uh, Ollie, uh, not only had he never seen an episode of Cheers, Shane, he never heard of Cheers. Never heard of Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild that's yeah that makes it me is. feel very old i mean mm. I've, I've watched maybe handful but I, i've mm. always known what it was know what it is it's the biggest tv yeah. show in the world right this is it well on glastonbury uh would you have any kind of leaning for for a shane Vereen dream lineup or an act you'd love to see at a big festival like glastonbury if you could past or present yeah. living or dead who would you go for so past well michael jackson Mm-hmm. If, if if I had to, if I could choose anybody or like mm-hmm. a uh, Marvin Gaye, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Temptations, the the original Temptations Love with, David Ruff, with David Ruffin, I think I would lose my mind for wow. uh, for for any one of those three. Oh my god, all the, the Temptations uh, in the in the legend slot, the Sunday afternoon slot, the Glastonbury. Oh wow, okay, that would smash. It. Yeah, it. that's Glastonbury's on my bucket list. I. Uh, you know, I've done Coachella. I've done mm-hmm. uh, the one in New York. I forget what it's called. It's leaving me right now. But um, I'm, I like those. They're, they're fun. You get to see like 10 acts in two days that, that yeah. you know, typically you wouldn't be able to see uh, definitely in one spot. So it's great. Yeah, that's so well described. I mean, and we were getting into that on the show last week, just how how diverse it's got now and not just with the, with the headliners, but, you know, to have uh, to have a lineup where you've got Paul McCartney on the Saturday night, Kendrick Lamar on a Sunday night, just kind of. That's pretty cool. That's everything you need to know. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we, uh, we were rolling into that. It got me thinking, cause you love your, you love your golf. Of course we talk about that a lot. How's that going by the way? How's uh, how you been hitting well? You're, you're <laughs> okay. My last, my last round was good, but I, mm. I can't chip all of a sudden I can't chip anymore. Like mm, sure. that used to be, yeah, my short game. I used to be proud of my short game and all of a sudden everything else is fine, but I can't chip. I don't know what the hell's going on, mm. but uh, I'm planning a couple, couple hours so hopefully i can i can write the ship today yeah we'll bring the get, get the mojo back we're, we're just being on this show i'm sure will help kind of calibrate <laughs> exactly it, make, it makes sense that you you like the short game because you know as a receiver that like to c- catch out the backfield that kind of that uh-huh. figures right you got that kind of definite yeah. touch on just bring your points together i'm gonna, gonna get down to football we're gonna talk running backs with you in particular kind of makes sense and looking at a few different running back scenarios with different teams going into the season we've got some mailbag as well the, at the nc show thanks for the questions we've got a few we'll sneaking at the end but just to kind of draw a loop under the pop culture golf thing i was thinking about the movie tin cup you know the movie tin cup you seen tin cup i haven't i haven't seen it but i know but i know the movie you're referring to but i haven't seen it if you haven't seen it and this is why we probably should have checked if you had seen it it will my question will make no sense whatsoever so (laughs) so what what i think we'll do propo is Move swiftly on. <laughs> we'll cut, we'll cut the tin cup out. I'll tell you what, I'll set your homework, Shambri. Next for next time you're on the show, will you promise me okay. you're gonna watch tin, watch tin cup? I'll watch tin. I'm gonna write it down right now. Tin cup. I'll, I'll write it down on my notes. We'll watch tin Costner, cup. Costner, Costner, it is vintage Costner, I tell you. You've got okay, okay. Great, you know, Field of Dreams Costner, you which is which is arguably his finest hour. Uh, you know, Tin Cup is solid, solid Costner. If you compare it, swing vote. <laughs> the film that uh maybe not his finest style tin cup's definitely more in the in the field the dreams untouchables kind of space so all right we'll, we'll, okay. we'll come back to tin cup next all right let's get down to business we'll start with um what do we start with the patriots uh logically okay. enough and looking at their season 
prognosis as a, as a whole and because they much different to going into last year have been very under the radar, no splashy signings. They, they, you know, threw everything at it last year, uh, this time around a very different mindset, but I guess that has tempered expectation levels for, for Patriots fans, Patriots nation, you know, they're thinking, I don't really know in a tough division where we're going to, where we're going to land. What have you made of their, their off season to date and how much, confidence or otherwise does that give you that they're going to be a, a contending side this year yeah um I, I think the afc east is buffalo's division um mm. and it's it's buffalo's division to lose if 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 said be but you know what what uh what strikes me with the patriots uh specifically this offseason um is that i feel as though they're confident with the roster they haven't really made many moves even the draft was kind of ho-hum um you know, n- nobody that they drafted, I was on my radar for the Patriots. Um, so I feel sh- bad about that. It's better checks yeah. drafting that it's not on anyone's radar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I mean, he did draft me. So, I mean, come on now. <laughs> the obvious exception to that rule. <laughs> <laughs> but what, but what, but the lack of moves tells me that they're, that they're confident. Um, they're confident in the roster. They're confident in the moves that they made last year. Um, and, and, you know, it's, both offensively and defensively, you what's unique about you, New England, is um, it takes a minute. Like it, it's, it takes a couple years for that core to really get it. And I think we're going to see that core group of guys, offensively and defensively, really come into their own. Now I know we have a lot of questions: uh, who's going to call plays? Who's going to run the offense? Yeah, what do you think on that? Uh, I, 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 I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, this is it's strange for me too. It doesn't really make much sense to me. Um, is I that mean, deliberate? Because I, I mean, that take is really interesting, and I hadn't considered it. And as you were talking, uh, it makes. Me as a Dolphins fan, of course, in in, in the East, <laughs> faintly terrified because you're right. There's something quite unnerving about a Belichick Patriots where, yeah, you know what? We, we don't need to do anything rash or anything dramatic because we're right. so confident in where we're at. Yeah, I, I think they, they love the roster. I think they're built um, to play a specific type of football. And I think offensively it's going to be run first and defensively it's going to be stop the run and make it tough on, on take away the big plays, make it tough on offenses. And I think they're built for that. Mm. Um, so I think they're going to win a lot of 17 to 10, um, you know, 2017 close type ball games with not a lot of scoring because they, they'll have the control. Um, and, and I think that's the, that's the system that, Belichick has always wanted. Mm. And, um, you know, I am curious about what they're going to do offensively as far as, cause you, you have to have a play caller, you know, uh, Dan, um, Mac Jones is I almost called him Daniel Jones. That would be disrespectful. <laughs> that's a Freudian, uh, that's a Freudian slip. <laughs> uh, Mac Jones is only going into a second year. Uh, you want him to be confident. You mm. want him to walk into the huddle, hearing the play call and say it with confidence. And if that's not the case, you know, it's it's going to be tough for him to develop and it's going to be tough for the offense to be successful if the quarterback's not even confident. But I, I do believe that the quarterback will be confident. I believe that they'll find some type of system to call plays. Um, it's just going to be very interesting. I'm not sure yet what what to expect from New England offensively. You know, I think it's a great point. Uh, the Mac Jones particularly, you know, as a sophomore quarterback, it, it's we, we you know we've talked many times on, on this show about the 
uh, the trajectory and how different it would have been for someone like Sam Bradford if he didn't have 77 different offensive coordinators in his first few years as, as a player. And so it's a really integral season in that respect. It's baffling when you look at any team getting t- to this stage of proceedings where there isn't clarity on who's calling the plays, particularly when you're filling a void of one of the great offensive coordinators of his generation. Yeah. And particularly when it's the Patriots who you, you feel like, yeah, the Browns, you know, for many years, you might Detroit kind of teams that are quite dysfunctional. You think, okay, I could see them in this kind of jam, but it's, which again, lends me to thinking to your idea about everything's fine, that Belichick must have a plan. He must be comfortable with what what's going on. He's not going to have let it got to this because we're hearing, you know, right. Matt Patricia. I mean, what? <laughs> so, yeah. What yeah. is that about? But but we've got to have faith in Belichick, don't we? I mean, out of yeah. any coach yeah. ever, he's our, uh, our, our, our trust. Yeah, exactly. And so that that's kind of where I go back and forth. Mm. It's like maybe maybe they should they should have somebody calling the plays. I fully believe that. But uh, Coach Belichick, he, he's been coaching longer than most of us have even been alive Mm. and he has the experience. He has enough experience for five different head coaches. Like he can Mm. coach five different teams with the amount of experience that he has. So it's just weighing that with an actual play caller. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not one to knock uh, coach Belichick and I have all the faith in in the world in him. And I know they're going to figure it out. It's just going to be interesting to see. Week one. I would love it. If just moments before kickoff, and there's still uh, all the preseason. It's being hyped up, and you know Boston talk radio. What the? What are the Patriots doing? And all this, and then yeah. moments before kickoff. Wait a minute, that's Sean Payton's music. <laughs> Payton just walks in, Miss Vince McMahon style. Oh, yeah, that would be great. That would be great. What are we thinking? Um, what are we thinking of the running back tag team uh, of Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson? What do we think about that? Yeah. I think they're good. I really like Damian Harris. Um, I thought he really came into his own. Um, but even more impressive was Ramadre Stevenson because I hadn't really heard of him, didn't know what to expect. And he kind of burst onto the scene with a lot of confidence, runs hard. Um, and, he, and he has the speed for, for you know, for the position. Um, I'm excited to see James White back next year, yeah. next season. Um, so it really, in my opinion, it's a three-headed monster uh, in New England's backfield. Uh, Damian Harris being the being the lead dog, but uh, mm. make no doubt about it, all three. And then they did draft. They drafted two backs. They Kevin Harris in the sixth round and Pierre Strong in the fourth round. Right. Um, I'm expecting. I think they're going to use Pierre Strong kind of as like a James White type out of the backfield, kind of like how I, the role mm-hmm. I played. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I, I I think that that's probably going to be the bulk of their offenses are those three guys: James White, Ramondre Stevenson, and Damian Harris. Um, and then they'll, they'll play off of that. You know, I was watching, uh, it just came on Sky Sports the other day, just replayed uh, the legendary comeback Super Bowl uh, and how big a game James White had. It. I mean, just yeah. how, what a clutch player he is. Love it. Underrated. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. I don't know injuries, you know, affected obviously his perception and, and uh, his overall value, but I think he's one of the more underrated players in in, in the league. I think he's uh, uh, he, uh, brilliant, and it is exciting. And they talk about the depth there. You just emphasise the depth there, which is yeah. or on an offense. Which okay, on the one hand, we think does it know its identity, but the flip side, as we've said, is maybe it knows exactly what its identity is. And, exactly, uh, uh, could be potentially very dangerous. Just one more on the Patriots, then we'll get on to, to another of your former team, the Giants. Uh, 
we we definitely talked a bit about this before, like playing for Belichick and playing under Belichick, but specifically as a, a, a as a running back in a Belichick organization, and and, and of course for for many years McDaniel's was was the guy calling the shots there. So I know I guess it's it's a little bit different now for reasons we've emphasized, but. Do you think that's one of the, the better landing spots for a running back here and, and your style of, of running back in the NFL? I, I think it's a great landing spot for players of all positions. Um, one thing that, that has always stuck out to me about Coach Belichick and the way the Patriots run their organization is they put players in position to succeed in a sense. They're not going to ask me um, to run the ball 30 times a game. Right. Because, you know, the, like, I'm not built for that. And my strong suit, yes, I love running the football. I love getting the ball anytime. But where I was best at was one-on-one with linebackers, one-on-one with safeties, um, in the route tree, getting getting the ball in open space. And that's what they're so good at. And that's not just for me, not just for receivers, but for defensive players as well. That's why each week the scheme is different because they're trying to utilize what, what we have, um, both as a team and as players, the best way um, against each opponent and every opponent's different. Mm-hmm. And I think they have just done, and they always have done a great job of putting players in positions to be successful and not asking players to do things that they're not comfortable doing. Individual matchups. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The uh, Just on that, I'm interested that you as a player looking at where the NFL has gone in the last seven, eight years, Right. Mm. Um, and in particular, the last three or four years, I guess. And, you know, the, the, the emergence of the wide back and all the innovation that we're seeing. Would you love to be playing now more, <laughs> more than ever? Would you look at look at some of the scheming that's going on and thinking, man, I, I would I would do some damage now. I would love a Kyle Shanahan scheme. Mm. Um, I, I really uh, or you can even say a LaFleur scheme. Those, mm-hmm. those schemes are very similar, in my opinion. Um, the wide outside zone um, and then all the route trees and, and lining people up. And not to say that we didn't do that in New England. I just feel like now it's more at the forefront of the NFL. Right. And um, so if I if I could, you know, go back and and, you know, play one more game, I would like to see how I would do in like a Kyle Shanahan type of scheme. Yeah, oh, I like that. I, I can see a quantum leap reboot. With Shane Vereen. <laughs> no, sir. No, I like my hamstrings connected to my bone. If I go back, there, there's no telling what's going to happen to those. <laughs> also, Quantum Leap, another pop culture reference. Ollie has no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> never, never heard of it. Doesn't know what we're, what we're on. Let's talk Giants. Let's obviously, if we're keen in on one of your former teams and, and running backs, we have to start with Saquon. One yeah. of the most... Uh, Enigmatic stories, I guess, of the, of, of the last few years in the NFL. Such a brilliantly talented player, undone, it seems, by injury. Yeah. And maybe out of any position in, in the NFL, it's probably the toughest to, to get that groove back after a serious injury and after, I mean, look, 2018, 2,000 yards, that's a long time ago now. Yeah. So do you think he can ever get back to that level? And if he can't, what is his ceiling these days? Yeah, I think he can. So 2018, he rushed for 1300 yards mm-hmm. and then caught for 700. Can he get back to that? Yes. But the problem is what comes along with getting him back to that. We, we've, we've spoken a lot about, you know, he's, he's missed games. The only his rookie year, his rookie season was the only season he played in all 16 games mm-hmm. um, or finished or played in every game during that season. Right. So 
if we're going to get him back to that, how do we do that? And what risks are we taking to get him back to that type of productivity? Do I think he needs to have that type of productivity um, for the Giants to win? No, I, I think he needs to have a thousand yard season. And I think he needs maybe four to 500 yards receiving. So about 1500 yards. And I think he can easily get that done. Yeah. Um, and that's a big year. That's a solid return, right? I mean, that's thousand, very solid. That's always been exactly. the benchmark, right? For on the ground. And then if you're doubling down with out of the backfield, great. Take that any day, right? Any day. Um, and and I think that takes a lot of risk off of his body. And it, it takes mm. a lot of wear and tear off of his body. Um, like his, his rookie year. Let me check real quick. He had 91 receptions mm -hmm. and he ran the ball 261 times. Mm. We're not we don't need to do that anymore. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that we'll see that clip anymore. Uh, his second year in 2019, he ran the ball 217 times. Right. Last year, 161, 162. So I, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, you don't want him to have the ball that many times. You don't, he doesn't need that many touches in order to be effective is what I'm trying to say. Mm. So have they got the strength and depth then to, to share the load if effectively, obviously they'll have the bodies, but you look yeah. at Matt breeders in there. I mean, you look at, compare it to the, the apparent strength and depth of the Patriots. Mm -hmm. Where does that giants running back course sit in your estimation? Uh, I pains me to say this, but not very high. Mm. Unfortunately, I, I mean, I like Matt, Matt Breida and I think uh, that Dayball, Coach Dayball um, is going to find very creative ways to get the run game going. Um, I'm not completely confident in the offensive line. I like how they drafted getting um, Evan Neal, uh, right yeah. tackle, solidify, uh, you know, the right tackle position, but I, I'm just not confident in this offensive line. And, but I am confident in, Coach Dayball's ability to manipulate offenses and get players the ball in space. And maybe it's not a strength because if you remember Buffalo, he was at Buffalo the last couple of seasons and Buffalo didn't really run the ball. It was the weak link, um, right? The ground game was well. the weak link. Yeah. Correct. I mean, perceive, perceive weak link. I don't know how fair it was because yeah, in, they, 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 they used it enough to keep the defense honest. Yeah. And they, they used it enough to be effective and and to move the ball down the field. But it wasn't like at the forefront. And I think it's going to be very similar this season mm -hmm. for the New York Giants. You know, I've got a theory about that, which might be pie in the sky. But when you look at a team, well, Buffalo is, is, is the example we'll use, right? Where you've got such a prolific rushing quarterback. Yeah. Do you think that has a detrimental impact on, on the running back core, both in terms of how much they're lent on, because they've obviously got to share the load with effectively another running back when a quarterback is rushing in a design run. And, uh, and, and even when they're not, when he's just taken to, you know, just taken to the ground. So that they're getting less reps, they get less rhythm, they're less of a focal point in, in the offense. It, it, do you think in many respects, as well as a coordinator, it impacts what you're doing with the ground game when you've got a player like Josh Allen, or is that just, a, a, is it a coincidence at Buffalo that the ground game has been, relatively speaking, the weak part, the weak link of that very successful team over the last few years? Yeah, I, I think if you have a special talent like a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, then you want them to run the ball in a sense, mm. because you want them to be able to use all of their abilities. And, and it's, 
it's very tough for a defense to count for a running quarterback, mm. right? A lot of times when you're going into a, a defensive meeting or it's 11 on 10 because you're not expecting the quarterback really to run in, in, as far as run game is, is, is concerned. So you have the upper hand. It's 11 on 10, right? If you add in a running quarterback, that's somebody's responsibility. Typically, it's both DNs to keep mm. them contained. And then you'll probably spy a Mike or Will, depending on uh, depending on the run scheme. And so it's an extra body that that is A, effective, but B, defense has to account for. So I think a running quarterback helps every offense. I, I really do. Squarely because it adds more responsibility for the defense. Yeah, that all stacks up, but then specifically the impact on a running back yeah. and productivity when you're playing in the backfield with Lamar or, or Josh Allen. It, it, is this changed now? Because, you know, we go back to, well, even looking at Saquon's load, right? And increasingly, mm-hmm. there are very few running backs that are, that are being lent on in the way going back to the kind of Sean Alexander era where you're just a bell cow and you're going to last three years and then the NFL will spit you out. Yeah. So so I guess it's less of an issue now than, than it would have been that you're on... Because you you can be uh, your strengths can be amplified and it you can fit in as a component. It just it just fascinates me that for Dayball's brilliance for Buffalo's caliber, yeah. That at, I guess on paper as well, the you know Singletary, the ground game had all the potential, but just for whatever reason couldn't get rolling. And I, I, maybe yeah. it was just situation at the time with New York. I, I get that. I got to see what Buffalo looks like this year. Mm. Um, I like Singletary and I like Moss. Um, I, I don't know what it is, why they haven't been able to get that going, especially with that strong of a pass game that they have. Right. It seems like the run game should be more effective than what it is. Um, so that leads me to believe either the backs aren't reading it right or the offensive line and the backs aren't on the same page. Maybe the offensive line is they're, they're great pass blockers, not great run blockers. Uh, maybe, you know, and so, I don't know. The jury's still out for me. I wasn't impressed with the run game last year. I'm hoping to be more impressed with it this year. New York, more or less likely to make the playoffs than the Patriots? Less likely. I don't think the Giants will make the playoffs this year. You don't think they'll make the playoffs? How bad a season do you think they could have? Uh, I say five wins. Uh, I would say that that would be <laughs> that would bad. be the worst in my opinion okay. because right. I just I have faith. Um, I have faith in my former employer and I have faith in <laughs> Brian Dayball. Yeah, and I really do. On paper, the offense looks great. It does. On paper, the offense looks great. The defense looks strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they did well in the draft. Um, so I think it gets as bad as five wins, and it can be, get as I mean as good as 10 wins in my opinion, 10 and seven. If, if the giants go 10 and seven this year um, mm-hmm. and in the NFC East, which is a crap shoot every year, mm-hmm. um, they could sneak into the playoffs. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. Where does that leave Daniel Jones then assuming that that plays out and, or let's just say we're somewhere in between that five win uh, stinking out the joint and being a playoff yeah. contender. So eight and nine or or thereabouts, right? And he has a so-so season, a so, kind of a war at the end of the road, presumably, right? If, yeah, if Daniel, yeah, if Daniel Jones, um, I think this is his last year in New York, personally. Whatever uh, happens. Whatever happens. I, I do believe that. Um, 
unless he goes crazy and go and they go like 12 and five and he's like one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. If that happens, then I think you keep him, obviously. Um, and you and you pay him what you put what you want. I just don't see that happening. And I think regardless of how the season goes, this is Daniel Jones last year in New York. Do you think, I mean, because obviously Jones has got legs, maybe not to the degree that Josh Allen has, but do you think Dable looks at him and sees quite a lot of upside potentially? I do. Yeah, I do. I, I think I think the tough part for Daniel Jones is that he's had, what, two to, two or three different head coaches now? Mm-hmm. And, and bad teams. Yeah. Rubbish teams. <laughs> bad teams, uh, bad play calling, um, three different OCs. You know, so that's tough for anybody to really get a rhythm and feel mm. confident and feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's across the board. That's not just at the quarterback position, but that's at receivers, running backs. That's everybody across the board. Mm. And, and New York, I mean, having played there, just how tough a media market is it? Oh, you know? <laughs> I, I thought Boston was bad. Oh, my goodness. New, uh, they don't let you down or they don't. They don't hold anything back, mm. you know, and they're going to come straight to you and ask you straight to your face some disrespectful questions. And you have to sit there and take it and mm. answer in a respectful way. Um, but you, uh, what I, one what's thing the I, most disrespectful question you have had? Oh, that's a, oh man. One, one time a guy, I forget his name, but he was, he was trying to like downplay my success with the Patriots when I first got there. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him kind of crazy. Um, and I don't know how I handled it, but I took a second, stared at him, and then I just gave like a generic answer <laughs> because <laughs> he, was really, he was really trying to make it seem like I wasn't like a big part of the Patriots Super Bowl team. And I, I took that extremely harsh, yeah. but I answered as, as professionally as I could. But you gave him that Belichick slash Flores three seconds stare before you are. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like who, are, who is this guy? That's what I was in my head. Oh, amazing. Uh, yeah. Love that. Just that. Yeah. Just no, just sometimes it's, I mean, it's, Belichick's a master at that, isn't he? Just yeah. stupid, particularly during Super Bowl week, stupid question. Just like two second. And then I, <laughs> yep. and then the answer exactly. Yeah. So, so much is said in that silence. It's <laughs> the um, yeah. So so that media market is is intense as it's intense as it comes. So what is that going to be like? Given how bad they've been for successive years, uh, for for a number of successive years now, uh, for Daniel Jones, he, he, the Dayball stuff, I guess, will offset it because it's a new hope, new vibe. You said, yeah. as you said, there's a lot of interesting talent there. So, mm-hmm. is it going to be? Uh, I guess what I'm asking here is, it going to be uh, intense pressure for him to achieve at a critical career year for him, or actually, is it going to be? Well, they've already written him off, so the the ceiling is low, the the bar is low, and actually. Right. He can exceed expectations, get on a bit of a roll and suddenly find himself midseason. Maybe he's the guy after all. I think he I think he will um, play better than expected. I do. Mm. I, I do believe he will play better. Um, I believe this is going to be his best shot at showing not just the New York market, but the entire NFL, um, who he really is as a quarterback and who he really is as a player. Um, this will be his best opportunity. And that's why I believe if he doesn't take this opportunity and really excel, then he's, he's out of there. Mm. Um, and I, I think they'll probably look to bring in a vet. They'll look to go draft um, a rookie next season. I think, ne- yeah, next year's actually, next year's 
quarterback class coming out of college is, is pretty talented. Mm. And so I, I don't think they're going to hold on and, and really give Daniel Jones many more opportunities, seeing that this is his best shot that mm. he's had since he, since he stepped foot in New York. Okay. A lot of other ones I want to get into. And I'll say a couple of mailbag uh, sneak those in as well at the end. So let's go to Dallas next and the running back tandem there, which is if Zeke is uh, fighting fit, that's got to yeah. be one of the more enticing running back tag teams in the league, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, what's crazy is Tony Pollard had a hundred less carries than Ezekiel Elliott and only a hundred less yards. Wow. Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, let me double check that just to make sure that I, I, that, that I was correct. Let me double check real quick. But yeah, did you yeah, get that stat right. from Ollie? Because uh, no, no, I'll no, double no, check no. it if you did. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. So Tony Pollard had um, 719 yards, and Ezekiel Elliott had 1,002. So 300 less, less yards, but 100 less carries. Wow, right. His average was over five yards a carry. Um, so I think this might be a year where we see changing of the guard, maybe in the running back position there in, in Dallas. Um, and just on that, Shane, so because yeah. their styles are, are markedly different, aren't they? So yes. does it mean that their, their ground game or how they're using their running backs, if they are shifting, it will, will have to fundamentally change. Or are you saying that just in terms of the, the player they're leaning on to make things happen, to, to be essentially the feature back in, in, in whatever that means in, in the modern NFL, yeah. but the star out of the two, you think that is what might shift? I think in terms of production and in terms of carries, I think mm. Tony Pollard, like I said, 100 less carries last season. I don't think that that gap is going to be very large. I see them having maybe the same amount of carries or maybe even Tony Pollard having a, a few more carries than Ezekiel Elliott, but mm. that's all going to be determined upon how Zeke looks and, and what kind of, what, what Ezekiel Elliott are we going to get? You know, I, I think he was fighting through an injury most of last season. So I, it's hard for me to really judge him based off of that. Cause he was fighting through something, but mm. we all know the productivity that Ezekiel Elliott brings and, and how special of a running back, a special of a football player he is. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you can't continue to carry the ball at that type of clip and expect yourself, especially your lower body, just to stay healthy. And mm. I just think we're just seeing a lot of wear and tear on, on Zeke. And, and, you know, I, I expect him to be better than last year. Um, but at the same time, I don't think we're going to see rookie, rookie Zeke Elliott anymore. So here's a hot take question for you. More likely to have a more productive year, Saquon or Zeke? Zeke Elliott. How come? Because the Cowboys uh, better, better offense. Better yeah, offense. Be yeah, better offense. And um, yeah, they, 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 and yeah, better offense, um, better offensive line, just, just in terms of team it, itself is, is better. So that's why, so I'll give it to Zeke Elliott. Better situation. That, yeah. Just to drill yeah. down on the Pollard Elliott tag team, can you elaborate for our listeners on the, the mm. stylistic differences and how they yeah. use in tandem? Yeah. So uh, one thing, most backfields are kind of built this way in a sense where you have a guy who's a, a bigger guy, then you have the, the, the shifty speedy guy. Um, and it keeps defenses on their heels is I think so. I think that's why they use him. But so Ezekiel Elliott can do everything. I think their skill set is extremely similar. They both can catch the ball in the backfield. They both can run the ball well inside, outside, whatever kind of whatever you ask them to do, they both do it 
um, to the same skill level, if that makes sense. Where they're different is their style and how they do it. Mm-hmm. Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott will hit the hole and and carry defenders with him. Tony Pollard sets up his blocks a little bit better, in my opinion. And that's why you saw last year a lot of big runs out of him. Mm-hmm. He's very good at being patient behind the line of scrimmage. He's he's not quick to make a cut before the, before uh, the the offensive lineman gets to the block or the, or he waits for the receiver to climb up to the safety. He's very good at setting up blocks and he's very patient. The thing that sets him apart is he uses his patience, but as soon as he turns his shoulders upfield, he is gone. Mm-hmm. And he has that, that quick acceleration. Um, I think that it, it surprises a lot of people who haven't seen mm-hmm. it before. Um, and it's, but it, it just jumps off the screen to me, especially on his outside zones. He's so patient, but then as soon as he sees it, he's like shot out of a cannon and he's gone. Mm. Um, so that's where they're different. Zeke has that burst, but not quite to the Tony Pollard level. Mm. Zeke is uh, stronger, bigger. Um, I, I love Zeke's speed. I'm not saying that he's slow. I'm just saying that he's more, Zeke is more of, of a feel. He'll, he'll hit the hole might be bounced out of it, but he'll hit the hole, drag some defenders. And once he gets into the open field, he'll use his strength and, and his toughness to, to mm. beat defenders. Tony Pollard will just run right past you. Do you think now there's a lot more tape on Pollard that, that his life is going to be significantly more difficult this time around? Or are you suggesting that even though defenses know what's coming with him, that doesn't necessarily mean they can do anything to stop it? Yeah, I, I don't think that. Yeah, no, I don't think it'll be much difficult much more difficult for him this year. Of course, mm. people are going to know and they're going to have a lot of film to look at him. But I, I think him coming in, going now into, you know, uh, he'll be 25. So he's still young. Mm. Um, I, I believe he's going to get better. I, I really do. Did you find life progressively? Obviously, you get more acclimatized to life in the NFL and life is a pro. But did you find life more difficult when the opposition defenses have more tape on you? Were there certain players that you went right. up against a few times that they started to get your number and you had to rethink how you, you know, how you played them? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that did happen. Um, I would say probably going into my third year, I started noticing that teams were playing me a little bit different. And then definitely in my fourth year um, through the rest of my career, they played me um, much differently. And, mm. but that, but I liked it. It made me go back um, in the off season and work on things that maybe I didn't really put much light to previously. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it forced me to change myself, um, not just as a player, but mentally. Um, and it, I liked it. it. It was like, a, it was a good, it was like a challenge. Good challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's fascinating that, um, that some players seem to thrive on that and others just disappear. Right. That, you yeah. know, that they're kind of one tricks and, and, and then they, they can't adapt. Uh, it's, yeah, interesting that that is something you loved and, and took as a challenge. Let's look at a couple of other players. Then we're going to get your top three that you're most excited about, right? So Derek Henry is uh, a, a player we love to watch. And if we're bringing a few of the themes together today, of course, wear and tear. Well, he is, I mean, the poster boy, surely for that. And it uh, yeah. caught him out last season and, and derailed fundamentally that the Titans significant title ambitions, you know, um, yeah. So we don't know quite what we're going to get in terms of fitness, much like Zeke, much like Saquon. But assuming that Henry is back to his physical best, and maybe it's a a big assumption, but let's assume that he is. Is that going to be enough with all the negativity around Tennessee right now to still keep him 
in the mix? Is he that one running back out of all of them that is so good that even with deficiencies around him offensively, he can still keep his team in relative playoff contention? Yes. I, I think Derrick Henry is that good. Um, he played in eight games last year mm. and almost had a thousand yards. So he had 937 <laughs> yards in eight games. Wow. Uh, if there's one running back that I'm not worried about, it's it's probably Derrick Henry. Um, I like him. I like for him to have 15 to 1600 yards this year. Mm. Uh, he'll probably have north of 15 touchdowns because um, he's going to have to in, in order for the Tennessee Titans to be competitive this season. He's going to have to have one of those years. Yeah. And I think he will. Um, you know, it's strange that sometimes injuries, I'm not going to say they're a good thing. I, I, I would never say that, but sometimes they allow your body, especially at a, at a running back position, it allows your body to fully heal, right. it allows your body to have some rest. Have a it takes, yes, it, it takes carries off of you. Um, and, and I think he, that's what we're going to see from Derrick Henry this season. I think we're going to see a refreshed Derrick Henry. I think we're going to see, um, like I said, 15 to 1600 yards, uh, 15 touchdowns, I think. And I think they're going to use him similar how they, how they have been. He's going to get the ball maybe even more this year. Mm. Um, but I expect him to have a huge season. Everyone is so down on the Titans. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all if, if Henry and Tannehill is a player that I think everybody is getting way too carried away uh, on in terms of writing him off and he's yeah. jumped the shot. He, no, he will, I think I have a bounce back, even with the, the, the receiving core is, is a concern, but I think the Titans could be one of those sneaky sleeper picks that everybody is saying, ah, oh, they're done. They're not going to be anywhere near. And well, you, look at that. Well, look at the AFC South. Who, right. who else is in that? Who else is in the division? That's exactly. going to give them any competition. Exactly. You know? and then, but, yeah. Yeah. Everyone is sleeping on him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree completely. All about context. Right. And that yeah. is a very winnable division when you've got a game changer like him in, in the mix. Uh, okay. The three running backs, Shane Vereen, you are most excited about this season. All right, here we go. Well, I wrote down six names because I couldn't go up with three. Have you been my, talking my to Mike Carson? Two. Our friend Mike Carson, whenever he's given a list, he will double it. Uh, and the show is twice as long as it should be. So. Yeah, but my top my top two are without question. That's mm-hmm. Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara. Um, Aaron Jones is going to be, how do I say this? He is going to be so crucial to that, to that team's success. I think even more so than Aaron Rodgers. This year, I think beginning, yeah, I think the beginning of the season, I would say probably at least the first four weeks is going to be heavy run, heavy Aaron Jones. Mm. I think it's going to take a minute for the receiving core and Aaron Rodgers to all be on the same page. Right. Um, I I think Devontae Adams leaving is big, um, but you have A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones in the backfield, solidified backs, use them. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's what we're going to see from the from the Packers, um, especially early in the season, but then also late in the season in, the, in December, January, and eventually when they make the playoffs. I think Aaron Jones is is set to have a huge year this year. Okay, love uh, that. It's a, and it's solid logic for sure. Uh, so I love that pick and Kamara. Again, a team that I think we've been talking about it on the show. Greg Rosenthal was on a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. solidified that the pick of the Saints is one of the teams that is going to go deep and maybe a little bit under the radar. And it sounds like you might be thinking the same thing if Kamara, you think, is going to have a big year. Absolutely. I think on paper, I think the Saints are the best team in the NFL. Um, wow. In the, in the on paper. NFL. All right. Yeah. You got to put this argument forward 
to justify that because I am big on the Saints as well. Yeah, the best team, the best ro- the best starting eleven on both sides, or the best roster. Like, paint the picture yeah. for us. Best. So, defensively, this team. Well, okay, let's go. Let's let's start from last year. Last year, this mm-hmm. team had four different starting quarterbacks and still had a winning record. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, what did they do in the offseason? Michael Thomas will be healthy. They drafted Chris Olave and they picked up Jarvis Landry. Drafted a left tackle because they lost Teron Armstead. Mm-hmm. Teron Armstead, in my opinion, is the best left tackle in football. Defensively, was a was a top five ranked defense as in terms of points. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about four different starting quarterbacks, meaning that tells me that the defense was on the field for more plays than, than the offense. Right. Typically when that happens, those defenses are not ranked nowhere near the top of the league mm-hmm. because they're just on the field too much, too much. You can't stop yet. everybody yeah. every time. Yeah. 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 But this, this defense was able to be a top five defense across the board. And then they added Tyron Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't see where, I don't see where this team is, isn't, they beat the they beat Tom Brady and the Bucks twice. Yeah, so I, I, I'm big on them. That is, I mean, for sure, all of that I with you agree with. That's why I think they're going to be a contender. Yeah. Is the coaching situation the the elephant in the room, or is that overplayed? Is it is oh, it overplayed? Let, let me break this down for you. Here we go. Come on, Dennis Allen, the new head coach, has been a head coach before. Has mm-hmm. been with the Saints for numerous years. Pete Carmichael has been with the Saints for numerous years. Mm-hmm. And he, he's been the offensive coordinator for numerous years. So it's a hiring from within is good in this situation because it's it's the same thing. They're going to call the same defenses. They're going to call the same offense. These players, the core players, have been there for a while. Right. And they understand what it takes. They understand what it takes to win. They understand um, how to play this style of defense, how to play that style of offense. There's not that much changeover mm-hmm. other than losing Sean Payton. And sometimes I don't think that's always that's the, I don't think that that's so detrimental. Sometimes you need a refresh. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need a coach with a different type of energy. Sometimes you need that to kind of get over that hump. And I think the saints are built to get over that hump this year, where it, whether that means a Super Bowl or not, I like the saints to be the one or the two seed in the NFC going into the playoffs. Wow, you nailed that. You nailed it. I asked for the Benedict <laughs> validation. You nailed it. Uh, Jameis Winston to throw a five-start interception in the NFC Championship game. <laughs> I'm putting $5 on that right now. No, I, I'm with you. I love it. I'm, gl- I'm glad the fact we are big on the Saints on the show. And uh, yeah. the, the, wow, the A-list, the all-pro list of Saints supporters is growing. There's you, there's Greg Rosenthal. Uh, we are... Definitely loving the Saints. All right. So those are your top two running backs. Who's the third yeah. that you're most looking forward to see? So, so uh, third I'm most looking forward to, um, I think Josh Jacobs. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. He had, um, let me bring it up real quick. I had it pulled up. He had his worst year uh, as far as stats are concerned last year. Mm. Um, he didn't clips. He, he, he was hurt a little bit. Uh, only played in 15 games. 872 yards, nine touchdowns. Average was good, four yards. But I think with the addition of Devontae Adams, the addition of um, the new head Why can't I think of Josh McDaniels? Josh McDaniels. Yeah, he was my <laughs> coach. He used, used to play for him. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's I think he's gonna go crazy this year. I really mm. do. Uh, um, and the other 
guys I had on my list were Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris, who I do believe will have big seasons. But from last year to this year, I think we're going to see the reason I put Josh Jacobs third is because we're going to see the biggest improvement mm. um, of those three guys. And that's why I think Josh Jacobs will have close to 2000 yards all purpose. I think he's going to go crazy in this offense. I am big on that as well, because I think the Raiders are one of those teams and, and this will sneakily dovetail into one of our questions from the mailbag. But I think the Raiders are one of those teams, obviously in the division from hell, but yeah. I think people are under a little bit on them, right? I mean, I really yeah. I think it's going to be intriguing and, and cars, the prototype there is the quarterback that even with his success last year, people still don't really buy into him at the same level. And I think he's underrated. Mm-hmm. Jacobs is, is such as a hell of a player. And it, for you to suggest that you think he's going to kick on this year and it makes a huge amount of sense with McDaniels rolling in there as well. Love that. Yeah. Love that pick. Okay. So before we get out of Dodge, let's get to, we'll get to the mailbag and we'll go to that question. So this is from Richard. Hey, Richard. He asked, talking about the Raiders, who do you see winning the AFC West? And he elaborates a bit. So the Chiefs minus Hill, of course, Tyreek gone. Yeah. The Chargers have been taking care of business. The Raiders, as, as you rightly say, adding some serious pieces. And of course, with Danger Ross Wilson in the mix as well, it is yeah. an, um, a division we're all looking forward to so much. Is there yeah. one team that you think you can call right now comfortably as the favorite for it, is, or is it a pick'em? There, I mean... <sighs> As long as Patty Mahomes is in Kansas City, it's it's tough not to put your money there. Um, however, I don't think the Chiefs win the division this year. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be either the Chargers or the Raiders. And the reason I say that is because the Chargers and the Raiders they addressed certain issues that they had um, during this offseason. Uh, the Raiders went and got Devontae Adams. The Chargers added players to their defense, which is what mm. they needed to do. I don't, I, I didn't see any big moves that the chiefs made that I, that I, that I felt made them better as a team. Um, and this is a team that needs to get better. We can't be so enamored with Pat Mahomes and forget about that. This wasn't a very good football team outside of Patrick Mahomes. In my opinion, when they went and won the super bowl, that was a good football team outside of Patrick Mahomes. I didn't see the Chiefs really get better this offseason. Um, and that worries me for them. Mm. And and right now, this AFC West, I mean, yes, you have Patrick Mahomes. I get that. I, I, I understand how great of a talent he is. But these other teams, man, they can play football too. <laughs> this this the I the Chargers are gonna be good. Yeah. Um, I think I think the coaching needs to get a little bit better, but the Chargers are gonna be good. The Raiders are going to be good. Uh, Broncos got better. That this is a top. That Broncos had a top five defense last year too. Top five defense. Turn, brilliant yeah. receiving core. Added a yeah. generational quarterback. Decent yeah. ground game. I mean, I think the Broncos might be the inside rail pick for the West. I would say so. I would say so. It's not the Chiefs. You know, mm-hmm. I, like they didn't get better to me. And I think this. I and I think that they got exposed last year quite a bit. Really, honestly, I, I wasn't really impressed with the Chiefs last year. And so I think these other teams in the AFC West got significantly better and the chiefs will be the same team that we saw last year. Is this AFC West? And it's so recency bias. And we are, this is something we were getting into on the generation X V Gen Z show last week <laughs> in terms of movies and film and music, like how 
generations don't really look back too much to the past. But do you think this, so bearing that in mind, this AFC West is maybe the toughest division you can remember in football? No, I would say that NFC West, when the, when the Seahawks were rolling, mm-hmm. Seahawks, Rams, uh, Cardinals, and Niners. Mm. When Tough Harbaugh one. was at the Niners. When Carson Palmer was at the Cardinals, that kind of era. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Okay. Bruce Arians was the head coach. Yeah. Uh, I forget what, there, there was like, they had like a two-year run where mm. I thought that was the toughest division in all of football. Yeah. And the AFC West has a chance to, retake that claim in my brain mm-hmm. uh this year but we got to see it first but mm. to me the toughest division in football for a long time or especially while i was playing was the nfc west. nfc nfc west yeah yeah and the nfc yeah. east of course historically before that was uh uh was a mainstay and an interesting intriguing divisions we said this time but but certainly you look at the afc west compared to any other division it's in ridiculous. the league, it's, it's light years ahead. Light good years luck. ahead. Uh, <laughs> good, luck. good luck to all the teams in that division. It's not going to be fun. <laughs> Chiefs finishing bottom of the A of the AFC West. That's my that's my hot take right here. It could happen. It, I can right. easily see that happening. Yeah, like that's yeah. just how good it is. It, exactly. If you if that happened, you would not be surprised. That's how ridiculously insane the AFC West yeah. is. But yeah, Mahomes, Andy Reid, and this Chiefs side finishing last. P- plausible, plausible, very. Wow. Put five, put five dollars on it at least. Let's go. I mean, yeah. Let me get this right. Jameis to interception <laughs> and the West. Yeah. The, West <laughs> the Chiefs to lose the West. Uh, Shane, brilliant stuff. Always an absolute pleasure catching up with you. Go and hit those fairways, and yes, uh, I feel good about your round. I feel positive. I feel that you're I love it. I love it. Back. Yeah, send those vibes all, all the way over to Colorado. I, I need them. Uh, <laughs> when things get shaky, I'll just think about you having faith in me. That's that's all you need. And, and the <laughs> NC show faithful are all behind you. Shane yes, Green, thank you. Thank because you. you are all pro on this show. And it's great to see you. Great to get your insights. It is always a pleasure. Look after yourself, bud. Check it soon. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Brilliant stuff as ever, as expected from Shane. And uh, I'm getting uh, wind that he's already birdied the first hole. So, I mean, what do, what do you know? Me, Propo and all of you out there, clearly a good luck charm for Shane Vereen on the fairway. So brilliant stuff. And he's enjoying his time on the show as well as his golf. And uh, I certainly enjoyed catching up with him. And we've got plenty more. That came from our brand new fantasy show, dropping soon. Very excited about that. I love the title of it as well, uh, which I could take no credit for whatsoever. That is my new co-host who will be announcing very soon. Uh, also devised the name of the show. So a brand new fantasy show, which is going to be dropping in association with our friends, DraftKings, all through the season and obviously some preseason specials. So we'll be getting that rolling. We're going to check in with Ben Isaac soon, some college days. Love the fact, as I said to Shane at the top of the show, how much you enjoyed me and Propo going all pop culture on you. So we're going to do, and if you haven't checked that out, it's in the vault, Gen X versus Gen Z. If you haven't checked it out, please do. And we're going to be doing more of those. So uh, a lot more where that came from. I might be back soon to all your favorites coming your way. So keep it locked in right here on the NC show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, still no TikTok. We'll see you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.